Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through His Word. Be blessed. Praise the Lord to everyone, and I hope everyone's having a great day. And I want to say blessings in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Today we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 12, all the way through verse 25. And today we want to really continue where we left off in chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Remember in this whole chapter, it's the end of a discourse about the gospel. And the last part of this is about a life in the Spirit. Chapter 7, the law cannot save us. It makes sin utterly sinful, but it doesn't set us free from the bondage of sin. So there's a condemnation that comes upon us when we find out that we're not supposed to covet, but we find us coveting of every kind. Chapter 8, verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Chapter 8 is about a life in the Spirit. And so as believers, by God's grace, we are not living a life according to the flesh, but a life according to the Spirit. And we're going to pick up in verse 12 and continue with this thought of what Paul is preaching to us, what he's teaching us, but it's coming to a conclusion about a life in the Spirit for a believer by God's grace. In verse 12, let me read this verse. And today, Alan and my wife, Laura, is recording with me, and together we're going to teach this, talk about it, look at the context. Everything is about original intent. And let's look at verse 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, when you see the verb tense here about putting to death, that's an ongoing aspect of our lives as believers by God's grace that when we live life in the Spirit, we are daily putting to death the deeds of the body. It's not something that happened 20 years ago only when we came to faith, but it's a daily walk with the Lord. It is something that comes out of a relationship with God, that we walk in the Spirit and we are putting to death daily, dying daily, picking up our own cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ. We are putting to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh. So as believers, we are walking in the Spirit, and it's something that's a daily walk. And so many times within Christianity or within our faith, we think about our salvation as something that happened many years ago. And not so much that it's about today. Yes, I did come to faith in the past. I am saved. And it's a daily walking of faith every day by God's Spirit and putting to death the deeds of the body and making sure that my mind is centered on the things of Christ and not on the flesh. And when we get to chapter 12, there is something that Paul says that's very interesting or I would say very profound to this whole subject. 
He said, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the mind is something that he's focused upon here, that if our mind is focused upon the flesh, how can we please God? How can we walk and have a relationship with God if our mind is focused upon the flesh? So we have to put to death daily, putting to death the deeds of the body, have our minds on Christ, put on the mind of Christ, or have the mind of the Messiah. Also, when we look at that Romans chapter 12, it is something that's continuous. But do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, something that happens ongoingly within our lives, that we renew our minds and we make sure that our minds are set on the Messiah, put on the mind of Christ. Going to verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, we're going to see this in the context of adoption here in a few verses that are following, that we have been adopted into God's family. We are the children of God. We are the daughters and sons of the living God through adoption, just like Israel was adopted into God's family through God's grace through their faith. So we too come to God by His grace through faith, and we are the sons of God. We have been adopted into His family. Now, verse 15 is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It really speaks of a relationship with God that is intimate, and it's what God has always desired from us, and it comes by God's grace through faith by a life in the Spirit. This is what Paul says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And we look at this, and it really stresses relationship through a life in the Spirit. So if we are saved by God's grace through faith, therefore we're being led by the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that confirms who we are, the children of God, that we are the sons of God, which is saying with our Creator who created all things that He is our Father, He is Abba Father. And it is a Spirit of adoption. And he says, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but a spirit of adoption, whereas sons, we can cry out, Abba, Father. Yes, God, I like the way he talks about this adoption because it goes back to this saved by grace where, you know, you think about a baby that's adopted, they really don't have a choice in the matter. You know, someone as an adult, you know, sees an opportunity, has a desire to want to raise a child that's not, not their own, and that's, you know. They are chosen yeah. by the parents, by the father, and we are called the chosen ones. Yeah, so I think that's a cool illustration, and, and it never really hit me this, and I know we don't key on a lot of words, but I do like how there's Abba here. To me, that was significant, especially when I went to Israel, and you'd hear the, the toddlers, you know, the two, three, four-year-olds call their dad Papa Abba, and it's a very enduring kind of term that you, you say as a younger kid to your father. It's not a father and you're scared. It's a friend and one that really loves. They can call them Abba. So I thought that was powerful when I actually saw that in Israel. 
Yes, it's an Aramaic term that uh, is part of Hebrew today, and it's a term that can be formal, but it's also informal, a term that a son says to the father, Abba. This is a personal relationship. It's not just a formal understanding of father, but this is a little child cries out, Abba. And when you think of it in the context of adoption, adoption is the father has chosen this child as his own, has placed his name upon this child. Now, Israel, the nation, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, they were adopted as well. God chose them by his grace. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham was adopted into a covenant relationship with God. So are we adopted into a covenant relationship with God. That is the end goal. It's the goal of the law. The law was not an end to itself, but its goal was the Messiah. And now we as sons through a life in the Spirit, how much more can we cry out, Abba, Father, to know him intimately from the heart through a life in the Spirit, that He is our Father. Yeah, and we were talking amongst ourselves about the contrast to that adoption living in slavery to fear and how that can play out when you really don't know whether you belong because you can't measure up. You're constantly failing. You're constantly in sin, whether you have the law or your conscience. But when you come into this covenant relationship with God, you feel secure in that adoption. You know you're a child of God. You're free from all of that fear. And how do we understand that? By God's Spirit that indwells us. This is the aspect, going back to the prophet Jeremiah, about the law written upon our hearts, about an internal relationship with God. There's also a promise for the nation of Israel in Ezekiel 36 and 37, that he's going to bring them back into the land, and he's going to take the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And God says, I'm going to put my spirit within you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. We're talking about a an intimate relationship with God as Father. What is the promise of a new covenant? Not just that the law is written upon our hearts, but that we will know Him from the least to the greatest, and we will not have to run to our neighbor to know God because He will forgive us of our transgressions and our sins. He will remember no more. It's a relationship with God where I know Him. If you have to run to anyone to know God, then you're probably, I can say emphatically, you're not in the new covenant. The new covenant is a change from the inside out a new heart, God's spirit within us, the forgiveness of sins, and I know God. I'm not a theologian. I may not know everything about the Bible, but I have a relationship with God because his spirit is within me, and I can cry out, Abba, Father. Now, I want to say one more thing about this spirit leading to slavery again. If we look at original intent and we see this chapter flowing out of chapter 7, What was the point of conflict within Paul's life? What brought this point of conflict where he couldn't be set free? It was that the law could not set him free from coveting. He found himself coveting of every kind. What's going to set me free? Praise be to God through Jesus Christ 
my Lord, our Lord. So therefore, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when we look at this, what is this spirit leading to fear again? The spirit of slavery leading to fear again? It is probably related to the law. The law shows us what we should do, but we find ourselves practicing the very things that we know that we should not be doing. And what does that bring? Fear, anxiety. I'm not doing what is right. I cannot stand before God. But through God's grace, through faith, through a life in the Spirit, just the opposite is true. I can cry out, as a son of God, through the understanding of adoption, I can cry out, Abba, Father. And one more thing, I was just thinking about the whole adoption piece and a little bit ahead of myself, but when you know, we'll talk about God's foreknowledge and knows the beginning to the end in the, in the next podcast. But you think about adopting you know, a son or if you were going to adopt someone and, and think about the king of the universe, God adopting a child. Think about your lineage and your heritage. But God knew who we were going to be and knew all the mistakes we were going to make. And it's like us going and adopting someone that's in crazy amount of debt that we're just going to have to pay for. Or maybe there's medical issues, whatever you can think of a bad situation to adopt. That's what God did for us. He took us in our worst situation and said, I'm not just going to help you in like a charity case. I'm going to make you sons and daughters, and you're going to rule and reign with me, and I'm going to give you life through my spirit. And that's just powerful to think that he would choose to adopt us, even though he you know, knows the beginning and the end and, and knows what we were going to do. But he still said, no, I'm still going to, by grace, choose you and adopt you to my family. Amen. Such a powerful point, because if you and I were going to adopt a child, we would go out and make sure that everything's okay physically, that there's not any birth defects, that everything's going to fit together, and we're going to have a nice little family. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this spirit of adoption is not us coming through an adoption agency and the adoption agency finding out that, hey, we're okay. We've done medical tests. We've done psychological tests. This kid is not going to be bad for our family. He found us at the worst point, and the Messiah died for us. And that spirit of adoption lives with inside of us as the children of God, as the sons of God. By adoption, we can cry out, Abba, Father. And everything that belongs to the Father— now belongs to us. We have his name. We belong to him. We're part of his family. Therefore, we walk with him and can talk with him, and we have communion with him and fellowship with him, and what belongs to the Father belongs to us as well. And that's not a prosperity doctrine. Some take that and they preach about things, possessions. I'm talking about relationship here. How can possessions, material possessions, ever compare to a relationship with God as Father, the one that created all things that we can say, Abba, Father? Now let's read verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit within us, testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with the Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. And Paul throws in that last phrase that gets people upset. And they say, what do you mean, suffering? Or most people don't even quote that in the Western culture. 
But if we belong to God and we come to God through Jesus Christ and we are fellow heirs with Christ, he is the vine, we are the branches. If they hated him, they will hate us. If they persecuted him, they will persecute us. So abide in him, John chapter 15. And a natural thing that will happen in our lives as we're walking in the Spirit and we're connected to God through the Messiah. We come to God through the Messiah, and we are fellow heirs with Christ that we will suffer with Him. It's just something that we don't go looking for. It's a natural extension of our relationship with God through the Messiah. So when we look at this, don't be scared of that or do not run away from that, but understand that it is a natural consequence of knowing God as Abba, Father. Just quickly to add to that, I was thinking about that we wouldn't be surprised if we were adopted into a wealthy family that we would be wealthy. If we were adopted into a poor family, we would be poor. Whatever family you're adopted to, there's natural things that come as a part of that. And if you're adopted into Christ and he suffered and the world hated him, of course we're going to suffer and the world's going to hate us at some point. And some people really resist that as some type of lack of faith, but it's just reality. It's our, it's our family, and I like the way that you put that, is that he suffered. He was the suffering servant. We're part of the same family. We're fellow heirs with the Messiah. If he suffered, we will suffer. We're part of the same family. And we embrace it in the sense that we're not looking for it, but we embrace Christ. And this understanding that through Christ, we can cry out, Abba, Father, we have been adopted into God's family, and it's a family of suffering. And we, as believers, followers of Christ, are told, if you, Jesus says, do you want to be my disciples? Deny yourself, take up your own cross, and follow me. What does the cross represent? Death, suffering, following him, the life that he lived is the life that we should live as well. All right, let's continue. Let's go in verses 18 through 25. These verses are extremely important to the whole understanding of physical healing, the redemption of our bodies, what adoption means. We have been adopted into God's family, and we do go through sufferings, but there's a day that we're going to be glorified. And it look at the end of verse 17, so that we may also be glorified with him. And we're going to have glorified bodies, but that's not right now. And this is something that Paul's going to talk about, and it's going to straighten out some theology that is out there today. If we have enough faith, we will never be sick, and we will never go through suffering, and we will never have any type of financial problems or anything of that nature, and that's absolutely not true according to God's Word. And I want us to look at this, starting in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time, now remember we're going to suffer as part of this family, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's something that's in the future. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. That's future tense. So we are the sons of God. We have been adopted, but there is a revealing in the future of us as the sons of God. Verse 20, 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Now, there's something that is in the future, in hope, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So there is also a revealing in the future. Now Paul's talking about the glorification, something that is in the future that we will be set free from corruption of slavery. What is that slavery? From its slavery to corruption, what is that? Okay, let's continue because he's going to explain. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Now when we go back to Genesis chapter 3, part of the curse because of Adam and Eve's sin was the pain of childbirth. And yes, we have been set free from the curse, But the revealing of that in the future is something that we hope for and we're still waiting for, and he's going to say that is the redemption of our bodies. So as believers, as the children of God that walk in the Spirit of God, do women still have pain at childbirth? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Now, there was a famous um, Christian artist that got into the hyper-faith movement, and she said, When she was pregnant, when I have my child because the curse is broken, I will not have any pain at childbirth. It's just going to slide out of there. And I can remember back in the 70s and 80s, people that had gotten into this wrong type of understanding of faith, they would say the curse is broken, therefore I'm not going to have any pain in childbirth, and it's just going to slide out, just like going down a slippery slide, a water slide. And that same artist, her mom was telling the story. She went to the hospital. By the end, she's screaming so hard, asking for drugs and epidural and all of these kind of things. And she came to the reality of Scripture that, yes, the curse is broken, but the redemption of our bodies is at the resurrection. It is something that we're hoping for. It is something that we're waiting for. So, yes, today we still suffer physically. We still have pain in the childbirth. We will still die if the Lord Jesus doesn't come back first. We still have groanings and pains and things that we go through as believers. We're not just going to lay down one day and decide that we're going to die and we're not going to have any pain. There is pain. There is suffering. That's for all of creation. But we live with hope the hope of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the redemption of our bodies. Let's read verse 23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit. Here is the first fruits of the Spirit that we as believers have. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. There is a groaning within ourselves. Now, we know through the Spirit, we know that we're the children of God, but we also groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons. Well, I thought we are adopted, and we can cry out, Abba, Father. Yes, that is true, but we are waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. 
our physical body. There is a day that this body that groans, this body that goes through sufferings, this body that still has pain in childbirth, if you're a woman, that curse is still in effect today for every believer. But we have the Spirit of God, and we are the sons of God. We can cry out, Abba, Father, and we're not going to go to the grave without hope. We are waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. That's when we're going to be glorified. That's when we're going to have these bodies that will never suffer corruption again. We're going to be with the Lord, and we're going to always be with the Lord, and it's going to be His kingdom, and we're going to rule and reign with Him, and there's not going to be any more disease or sickness or death in the future. We wait for that eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? This is not something I see with my natural eye. By faith, I believe there's a day of resurrection. Let me read to you from Job chapter 19, verses 25 and 26. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I will see God. And then Isaiah the prophet prophesies in chapter 26. And Alan, can you read these verses? Yeah, it's just uh, verse 19, Isaiah 26. Your dead will live, their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust awake and shout for joy, for your dew is as the dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. This is our hope. We do not see it with the natural eye, but we walk by faith. And it is something that is a reality that lives within our hearts because we are the children of God. We have a relationship with God, and we're waiting for a day of redemption, the redemption of our bodies. It is a day of resurrection that is coming in the future. One last verse, verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see... With perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. This is what we're waiting for. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is coming. My salvation is now. I am saved. My salvation is coming. I do stand complete, and my completion is coming. I have been adopted into God's family, and I am a son of God. And the revealing of me as a son of God is coming in the future, the redemption of my body. This is something that is a reality for every believer. We walk by faith, but there is a day that is coming that we will stand face to face. Let's close with that and let's pray. Laura, can you lead us in prayer? Yes. Father, we thank you for this time together in your word and help us, Lord, not to put our eyes on the things of the flesh, but help us to rejoice daily in this hope, this eternal hope. We will not spend our time thinking about what we don't have or what we're suffering on this earth because we should be filled with joy knowing you. That is the greatest joy is just knowing you, being your sons and daughters. And we pray that our audience would take hold of that hope and live for you with joy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 I want to say one last thing. 
Today, we do have healings. We do have miracles. We do walk in faith. We believe God for signs and wonders. But all of these things are temporary because I can be healed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, yet I'm still headed to the grave. There is a day of redemption that is coming, the redemption of our bodies. That's not going to be temporary, but it's going to be everlasting. And this is the day of resurrection that's coming in the future for all those that put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.